0: So I'm really excited to share today, uh, I'm preaching on a subject that I want to, before I start, I want to encourage you guys, um, uh, it's maybe not that much of an encouragement to you, but I'm still working to live this subject out, and so I'm speaking on the topic of rest, um, of remaining in rest and living in a lifestyle of rest. I have one person that's excited back there, thank you. and this is something I'm still learning to work out. This is something I'm learning to live from. Um, by no means am I perfect, and I, I definitely have moments of restlessness, but this is something I felt the Lord put in my heart for today. Um, and my main goal today is I really just want to I want to communicate just some ways that we aren't living in a lifestyle of rest. And I think um, every single person, if I asked you um, if you had a very, very restful week, I, the majority would probably say no. Maybe some of you did, and that's amazing. Um, and, and I want to talk about why it's so important and how we can live in a lifestyle of rest more. And so, uh, first, I just think this is an interesting topic. I feel like, again, this is not talked about a lot in church. Um, for me, I mean, even being in Bethel for three years, uh, there we still didn't talk about the topic of rest and how to live in a lifestyle of rest a whole bunch. And so, uh, hopefully, I can make sense of this today. So, you just if if you're if I'm not making sense, just wave at me and just <laughs> just let me know. But. Um, but yeah, the, the cool thing about this, guys, is that in our, in our culture of restlessness, Jesus has promised us rest. And that's good news. Yes. You know, we, we have a culture that is so used to um, success being about grinding and, and, and hustling and working hard um, and, and really just burning ourselves out. And then that is actually success. And so if you, a lot of people, you know, I'll talk to them and, and, and I'll ask them, you know, how are you doing? Like, how was your week? How are you doing? And, and, and it's almost like, uh, like a little trophy that people wear on their neck of, of busy. You know, anybody you ask, how are you doing? Man, I'm busy. Okay, cool. Like, you know, how, how, was, how was this whole week? Yeah, busy, bro. Really busy. And I think so, so many times, uh, busyness and restlessness, we actually equate that with success. We actually think that if we're more busy, the more busy we are, the more successful we are, the more, um, it's kind of like a badge of honor. And so uh, I'm going to start here with Hebrews 4.1. I don't know if someone's on, oh yeah, boom. Hebrews 4.1, it says here, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. So the interesting thing here is, uh, the thing I love about this is that um, it doesn't just say the promise of rest, but it actually says that we all embrace the fullness of the promise of rest. And it's it's so important that, guys, we don't experience just a little bit of God's rest, that we actually experience the fullness of God's rest. And what does it actually look like in your life, not just to live in a moment of rest in your week, but actually live in a lifestyle where you're continually resting in the Lord. Seriously, though. How would it look like if you could be in a place of rest no matter what situation came against you this week? It'd be pretty amazing, right? And what I love here is it says, we, so we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise. So first of all, you can see here that there's actually something that we have to do. There's a part we play that we have to be careful to ensure that we actually experience not just a little bit of the promise of rest, but of the fullness of that promise of rest that God has given us. And the reason I love that is because there's tension there. It seems like to live in a lifestyle of rest, okay, I just let go and I do nothing. It's like, no, we actually have to be careful that we're living in that place of rest continually. Uh, an amazing example here in Scripture, and I'm not going to be preaching from um, 1 Samuel here, but it's, it's David. Um, and in 1 Samuel, sorry, First Samuel, very cool. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, um, says here, Actually, before I start here, I want to give some context. Um, I was doing some research on David. I did not know, like, the timeline of David's life and the things that happened. Uh, but he was actually anointed king, most likely between ages 10 to 13, which that's incredible. And as a person who is, you know, a young adult, I'm like, I always get fired up about young people leading and doing great things. Um, and in this verse, when he's going to fight Goliath, he is probably between ages 15 and 17. Haley, that's you. Boom. Let's go. And so it says here, David asked the men standing near him, and I love his attitude, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I just love the attitude. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And so, how did I think, how did, how, you got to ask yourself, how did David have so much confidence? When, it says a couple of verses before this, I think in 24. Uh, that all the rest of the Israelites, they fled. They ran away. They looked at Goliath, and they had fear, and they ran away. So how could David come up so boldly, being a teenager, and walk up there and boldly proclaim this, and go and fight Goliath and win? I believe he was resting, knowing that the word of God over his life was stronger than anything that stood before him. I believe he he knew, you know, I'm not king right now. I'm not leading this nation right now, but I know God has spoken and said that I will be. So when I see Goliath standing in front of me, there's no way that he can stand in between me and my destiny. And I believe in the same way, guys. In in, in our lives, in our relationship with God, in our destiny, I want to encourage you again, guys. Every single person here has a destiny and a calling in Christ. And we need to live a lifestyle like David where we can look at the Goliaths in our lives and we can rest in faith and know this is standing before me. But nothing can defeat me because I really believe that I'm actually gonna walk and, and accomplish what God has spoken. We need God's word over our lives to be stronger than the words and the lies that come against us. How's everyone doing? I, I think about I think about my personal life, I think about my family, and my friends, and uh, when, I, when I was saved and when I came to Christ, it was very important to me that people in my life came to know Jesus as well, that they came to know the same, uh, they came to salvation just as I did, and they could experience God. It was just something that was important to me. Uh, and I think, if I'm being totally honest, that through my life there was some times where I had false responsibility uh, for my family, where there was this false responsibility that I'm the one that's supposed to take care of my family and always be the one sharing and always being the one uh, reaching out to my friends. And that's all good, but I took it to a responsibility where I thought, you know, it's up to me. When really, you know, it's not. It's up to Jesus, right? And, uh, but the crazy thing is, guys, when God God spoke to me when I was a teenager and said, you know, I'm going to lead your family to to the, I'm going to lead your family to me in my timing. I'm going to lead your friends to me in my timing. And you can actually rest in confident faith knowing that's going to happen. But see, between A and Z, or Z, between A and Z, there's all this in between that we get to decide See, we can live in a place of anxiousness and anxiety or pressure or maybe doubt. Is it actually going to happen? Or we can rest in confident faith. And the more, as time goes on, the more I just rest in the Lord, rest knowing that his word is true, that he is not a liar, that he only speaks truth, and he loves my family ten times more than I do, the more I see amazing things happening with my family and with friends coming to know him and knowing that, yes, I play a piece in it, and yes, I am a vessel for the Lord, uh, but I can actually rest knowing that he is going to accomplish what he has spoken. Amen? So another scripture here I want to dive into is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It says here, Are you weary, really carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humbly. <laughs> Somebody help me today. What did I say before? <laughs> Humble and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. And so what I love here, guys, I love that it says or that Jesus promises you will find refreshment and rest in me. You will. And the crazy thing is his spirit lives in us. Jesus literally lives in us as believers on the inside of us. And if Jesus lives in us, then we should be experiencing constant refreshing and constant rest. Right? But I think there's just this, this, again, you know, we have a restless culture that we are so immersed in, yet Jesus has promised us rest, to be in a place of constant rest and refreshment. And so I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at, guys, that Jesus has promised rest for you today that no matter what situation you're going through, uh, no matter what anxiety or doubt or things going on, uh, things that are hard, Jesus has promised you rest and refreshment today. And so again, guys, you know, we have this, this culture of us, or the culture that we're in, where we need to work hard, where we need to do more to become more. Uh, the more you achieve, the more you are doing, the more successful you will be, but that is actually not God's standard. Again, in Hebrews 4.1 we need to experience the fullness of his rest and not just a moment of rest, but actually living a lifestyle of rest. Um, when I used to work at Youth for Christ, and cool thing, my friend Ryan is here in the white. He's from Youth for Christ. We, we worked together for a bit. Um, but when I was there and when I was starting, I was really eager to see God move um, in young people's lives. And when you're there, like you... When you're when you're in this place and you're with these youth all the time, you just see how many youth are broken, um, living in bondage. Uh, you know they're in you know they're orphans or they're just going through so much stuff and it's super sad. Um, but in the midst of that, I want to see the Lord deliver them. I want to see the Lord deliver them from bondage, from depression. I want to see physical healings. I want to see the Lord move and save so many youth. And uh, and when I started, that was my heart and. Um, I remember Tuesday or Thursday when I would start dropping, or when I'd start preparing for dropping, and I would have, um, I'd be sitting with the Lord asking for a message uh, to communicate to the youth. Um, he would speak to me, you know, I want you to, to preach on grace. And I want you also to rest knowing that I am going to move. I'm going to move in these young people's lives. I'm going to do something powerful. Um, but how many of us know that between the point of, of him speaking that, and then it actually manifesting, and then actually happening, so many times in our lives, we, we partner with um, unbelief, or worry, or doubt, or anxiety, and things like that, and, and, and I'll have to be, i have to confess to you that, honestly, there was moments where, um, you know, I'd want to communicate in a way that would be effective towards the youth, and so I'd be worrying, like, okay, Lord, how can I, you know, make a really cool analogy to, like, apply this to, you know, their high school experience, or, like, how can I use Instagram, or TikTok, or something, try to use something from there to make this relatable, and I would put myself in this place of pressure and of anxiety, um, hoping, you know, hoping that the Lord would really give me a way I could talk to these youth. and, um, and Listen, it, it, it was stupid. It's called being stupid. That's what I was doing. From the time God spoke to me to the time I was actually sharing, I'd be in anxiety. And the crazy thing was, every time I shared, afterwards there'd be four or five youth that wanted to stay and pray. So like, Chris, can we pray? You know, that really spoke to me. Or they would open up and share something really hard. And, and listen, you know, the Lord spoke. I am going to move. And then the Lord actually moved. And that's the crazy thing. But listen, the journey in between there, guys, we get to choose if we partner with anxiety, with doubt. And we get to partner with either the Lord or we can partner with, th- uh, with this view of doing it in our own strength and of our culture of being restless and trying to do things in our own strength. And the crazy thing about all of this, guys, is that unbelief is actually a sin. Unbelief is a sin, and it cripples rest in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, it says right here, The same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into His calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. You know, I think so many times in our lives that God will speak something to us, something very clear, something significant, maybe something that is kind of controversial to what we believe about ourselves, yet we'll partner with, you know, in a moment in church, you'll, you'll partner with and say, yeah, God, I, I am so loved. I feel so good right now. But then you go home and maybe you feel a moment of insignificance and you question God, you know, am I actually loved? Am I worthy, God? Am I worthy of your love? And see, so, guys, we partner, we wrap our hearts in unbelief, and we don't enter into the promise of rest that God has for us. You know, I was thinking about, uh, about Noah and his life and just how, cra- how crazy he must have seemed to so many people. You know, the Lord sp- speaks to him about building this ark And he's acting on, he's building this ark, he's spending all of his time, his resources, his energy on building this thing. And I guarantee there were so many people that were looking at him just saying, man, like, are you dumb? What are you doing? You're wasting your time. That's not worth it. And all these lies and all this opposition. But yet, Noah the whole time, he's resting, knowing, Lord, you spoke this to me. This is for a purpose, and I'm going to rest in your word that you've spoken to me, because I know that there's going to be fruit from this. And obviously the flood comes, and he saves him and the people he's with. And a bunch of amazing animals. But see, guys, again, so often, you know, it's not the same scale as Noah, but so often in our lives we actually have the same thing where, the, where God speaks something to us that is controversial to maybe what we think about ourselves. So when I tell you right now that you have a destiny, you have a purpose, and that's God's will for you, you understand that that's truth. The Lord does have a purpose for you. He does have a destiny for you. You are significant, and you're going to make an impact in this world. That is the truth. Now, you might experience opposition and lies, but we have, a, we have an opportunity where we can partner with unbelief, which is a sin, or we can rest in confident faith knowing, you know, maybe I don't feel loved right now, but I know I am loved. Maybe right now I'm not feeling worthy of your grace, Jesus, but I know you have said that I am worthy of your grace and you love me. Because the truth is, guys, the truth is, you know, but, but you know, the Lord has spoken, you are loved, and then you actually living in a place of constant awareness of your love, of God's love for you and living in a place where his love has permeated all of your being and you live from that place of love, those are, to- like, those are two totally different things. And I think if as believers we want to put our money where our mouth is, we need to actually live in that place and rest in that place where what God has spoken is stronger than anything we experience in life. What God has spoken as my identity is so much more important then what the lies try to speak to me, what the enemy tries to speak to me, what other people try to say to me, what God's word, or what God has said as his word over my life is more important than anything else. You guys are quiet, so I'm like, are you, you guys are probably either listening or not getting it. One of the two. You it? Cool. You know, I think, and this is, this is kind of, uh, like, I guess you could say petty to admit, but when I was, I can choose parents here. I, can, I can fill you in on this. But when I was when I was first saved, you know, coming from a life um, of brokenness, a life of partying, and and lots of other things going on with that, uh, once I was saved, and I knew the Lord's like, I want you to wait to have sex until you're married. I'm like, all right, Lord, where's my wife? <laughs> Being totally honest. And so once I was saved, you know, I I became, you know, I was this, this teenager on fire for the Lord. and I'm like, okay, cool, like, we got it. Is she like, is she gonna bring her tomorrow or like in a month? What's going What's going on? And there was so many times where I think I look back and I'm like, Chris, you're such a loser. Like, just chill out, you know. Like, I wasn't desperate or anything, but I think I could have rested in confident faith, knowing the Lord's gonna bring her. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious. I can just rest, knowing God, you're gonna bring the right woman at the right time. I just need to get alone with you, let you work on my heart, put my head down, get close to you, and you're gonna bring the right woman, right? But I think I look back at myself, and if you're single in here, I want to encourage you. Like, God's got the right person at the right time. Just put your head down, do the work, get along with God, let Him grow you, and you'll be the right person for them when you meet them. Don't worry about them, worry about yourself. But that whole time, you guys follow me? I wish I could have just stopped and been like, hey, God, you're going to bring the right woman at the right time. I don't need to be looking around wondering and going on little meaningless dates or whatever, right? And now look at it, she's right there. Bam. She's beautiful. Yeah, clap for that. Come on. She's, she's hot. Anyways. Hey, guys. Rest, rest is not about fighting your way through your week so you can find a few moments of rest. And, I, I, and I've been guilty for this. Where you fight through your week where you're busy, you have lots of things going on. But you push through your week and you're just doing all this stuff to finally sit down for five minutes and have some chips and watch your favorite show on Netflix. You know, we, we have such a skewed view of rest that we, you know, we do a lot of stuff and then finally we've earned maybe an hour of rest before we go to bed. But that's not the place that Jesus has called us to. He has called us to be in a place of constant awareness of his love and of his grace. That he's the fountain that never runs dry. That he lives within us. That no matter what comes against me, I know what the Lord has spoken over my life. And I'm not afraid of lies. I'm not afraid of fear or shame. Because I know where God is taking me. I know whose I am. And I know where I'm going. I know where he's leading me. Anything that stands in the way is now not opposition. It's actually opportunity. The craziest thing, guys, is Jesus has fought so that we could rest. He fought through it all. He fought death. He fought the enemy. He has conquered everything so that we could live in a place of rest with him. It says here in Hebrews 4, chapter 6, those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet, and I love any time in the word it says yet, yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. And so no matter where you're at today, the good news is you can still, all of us here collectively, can still live in this lifestyle of rest. And my hope is maybe the couple people, the few people that are truly going to get this, I want to speak to you right now, that you can actually go through your week not being stressed out. How amazing is that? That you actually don't have to live by the world standard of restlessness and striving, of being orphans, of worrying about everything, that you can actually rest in confident faith, knowing, God, you're gonna work out all things for me because I love you. So, why else is resting, why else is living in a place of rest so important, guys? It's our inheritance. Again, guys, Jesus has fought for us so that we could rest. And in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, you will find refreshment and you will, sorry, not him, Jesus, you will find refreshment and you will find rest in me. That's a promise from Jesus himself, that if you come to him daily, if you live in a place, and I'm telling you guys, if we can live in a place where we are face to face with Jesus at all moments, that place of love and bliss with him and of enjoying his presence, if we can live in that place, everything else will seem so small. That we can rest. When, someone, when you hear someone has gossiped about you, you can just smile. Jesus, you're right here. You're the most important person in my life and you're right here and you love me. You've accepted me. I want us as a church to be a church that is face-to-face with Jesus at all times in our lives. And it's not a duty. It's not a chore. It's a blessing. It's an honor. It's a privilege that we can sit before the King of Kings, the most beautiful person in the universe, grace and love and truth himself and live from that place. And everything else should seem small. And we should be in a place of constant rest because nobody else's opinion, not not any lie, not shame, not fear, nothing else should be able to take us from this place of intimacy and rest with the Lord. This year, uh, this is kind of funny, but at the end of 2019, somebody asked me, they said, Chris, how was your year? And me as an optimist or a positive person, I'm like, you know what, it was awesome. And I look back and I'm like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) Not at all. What am I talking about? And and I, I won't go into the great details, but you know, there's a lot of things that happened. Some personal stuff in my life that happened that was really hard. Um, There was, you know, the transition to the church, transitioning from my job at YFC, which I loved, but I felt the Lord was leading me here. That was hard because there's so many youth I loved. So that was kind of hard, but good. Transitioning to the church was hard, but good. And so it wasn't a bad year. It was just a year that wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. But the Lord spoke to me and said, Chris, this is going to be the happiest year of your life so far. This is going to be the best year of your life You're going to thrive more in your relationship with me and others than ever before. This is going to be the best year ever. Now, who knows that from me hearing this word from God and actually living it out and experiencing it daily? Those are two different things. And the next week, I found myself at home, and I, uh, since we don't have a church building that we own yet, big yet, Jesus, we receive that. um, I was in a place where I'm like, you know, I feel kind of lonely. I feel kind of discouraged, and. And I'm like, I'm like, this is not what you said, God. But there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity where I could have said, you know, what I'm experiencing is true. And yeah, God, like, I know you said this is gonna be the best year ever, but you know what? Like, come on, let's be real. Let's come back down to reality. Or there's another opportunity to say, no, Jesus, what you said is going to be stronger in my heart and in my life than anything that opposes it, Father. God, you said this is going to be the best year of my life. Therefore, I'm going to partner with that, and I'm going to speak to the opposition. I'm going to speak to the negativity, the discouragement, until it has no place here. See, I think some of us in our lives, we need to take ownership over our lives. We need to take ownership over the thoughts that are coming towards us, and you don't have to be dictated by a single thought towards you. You don't have to be dictated by fear, by shame, by anything that comes against you, that anything the Lord has spoken needs to be stronger in our lives than any opposition that comes against us. And I think when we actually can live in a lifestyle of rest and letting God's word, and letting it's letting Jesus and his word be stronger than anything else in our lives. When we can live in that place, it it brings clarity in our perspective, in our perspective of life, in our perspective of our faith, in our journey. And again, guys, when we live in this place of rest any opposition becomes opportunity. You see in that moment I can say, yeah, you're, you know what? Things do suck and it's hard and wha or I can say Jesus, I'm going to partner with your word and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to speak joy over myself right now. I'm going to speak joy into my situation. And this isn't like this is not opposition. This is actually an opportunity that anything the devil throws at me is a chance for me to cut off his head and walk into a new realm of glory with the Lord. It is. The devil has no place in our lives. Anything he brings is just a stepping stone closer to the Father. And the beautiful thing is, guys, we no longer have to be tossed to and fro when we choose rest in Jesus. You know, there's too many Christians, there's way too, oh my gosh. There is way too many Christians that are tossed to and fro. That you, you think your moodiness is, is just you being authentic. It's not. It's your flesh. You think, you think you're think you up and down and all your up and downs and you being dictated by things. You think it's just you being authentic, being real. No, it's called your flesh. And I'm not saying you can't be real and, and love God and process things that are hard. But man, we have to set an example for the world of what it looks like to be in relationship with Jesus. That we're not as moody as the rest of the world. That we're not as restless as the rest of the world. That we're actually people of peace. And that we can rest. And then when they look at us, they're like, man, that's attractive. How are you so at peace? How are you at a place where you're always resting? And you're so, you seem so chill. You seem so loving. What's going on? I think it's a, I, I've talked to people who aren't believers and they're like, Man, it is such a turnoff to see people who are walking with God, who are struggling just as much as I am. Why, why would I follow your faith and why would I follow your God when your, your, your people, the people that you, you believe with, are actually just as stressed as I am, they're just as anxious as I am, there's nothing different about them compared to me. We need to realize that we have an inheritance, guys, of his rest and of his goodness and of his love that we can live from. And we need to live from his rest and not for his rest. An example I love of this, guys, is Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 28. It says here, Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God, while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. And there is a sermon right there in that what I love here is undaunted, because I did not know what it meant when I was reading this. I looked it up, and I love. it says, Un- "unintimidated or not discouraged." You see, Paul and Silas, guys, in, they, they were thrown in jail at a time where they not only were persecuted for their faith, but they could be killed for their faith in a second. And they're already in jail, and they, they're not going, "Man, everything's so hard." And like, oh, just oh, Jesus, like, what is this? This sucks?" No, they're unintimidated, they're not discouraged, and they're singing songs of worship to the Lord. Are you getting the picture? There's going to be things that you're going to experience that don't line up with what Jesus says, but we need to be in a place where we're strong enough that we actually overcome these things with the Lord and are example to the world of his rest and of his peace. And, and, and the truth in here, I love that he's, they're, singing, they're singing songs of worship, and it says you all the other prisoners listen to them. Guys, when we can live our lifestyles in a place of rest, and a place of worship and adoration to the Lord, people will listen to you. The Lord will give you authority that you cannot get yourself, and people will listen to the words you have to say. And, and as they were worshiping, the prison doors flung open. And I really believe, guys, as we live in a place of rest and of worship to the Lord, prison doors, things that were locked down, ways that we were shut down by fear and shame and by the enemy will fling open and we'll be more free as people and therefore eradicate other people to be more free as well. Come on. Right? So good. I'm getting jacked on my own word here. His word. And so, guys, I want to go into the bit of the practical stuff. How can we actually live this out practically? How can you leave today? Because, again, if you you guys aren't going to be changed by this, I'm not doing my job right. I'm not up here for lip service and to uh, try to get anything for myself. I truly want your lives to be changed by God's word. So how can we apply this practically? Uh, Again, it all comes down to faith, guys. Rest abides in faith. If we don't have faith, then we cannot access rest. In Hebrews 4.3, it says here, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. So let me say that again quick. For those of us who believe, right here, guys, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. So when you experience a moment where you don't feel like you're loved or you don't feel like you're worthy of God's love, your faith is saying, no, I actually believe I am loved, even though this is not what I'm experiencing right now that activates rest in your life, and you can rest in his love and grow in his love. When you say, when you say I don't deserve your grace, God, but, you, but you, you can partner your faith with his grace and say, but I'm going to receive your grace through faith, then we can rest in that grace and actually grow in it. You know, I know for me working out, if I want to work out until I'm an old man, and I plan on being the oldest, most ripped, in fit, in shape uh, man ever when I'm an old man, which is great. But I know if I want to keep working out for that long, I need to have a lifestyle of rest. I need to have rhythms of working out, rhythms of pushing myself, and then the rhythms of rest. In the same way, we need to, you need to think for your life and for your kids and your kids' kids, if you want to actually see an inheritance of faith pass through your lineage, you need to be in a place of rest. If you want to go far, you need to be in a place of rest. And I want you to remember these three acronyms that I felt like the Lord gave me for FAR. And it's, it's, again, it's faith activates rest. But if you want to, if, for, uh, is this making sense, guys? Okay. So let me just, I'll fill you in on a a quick story here. When I, back in January, 2019, that's when the Lord, uh, when I went to the Revival 25 conference in Toronto, the Lord gave me a clear vision of, of me preaching in a church. And, and I'm like okay cool like uh, that's cool like I would love to speak at a church someday yes and then the lord revealed to me he's like no like look closer there's people it's it's a church it's like you're in the church like consistently and he said i want you to be a pastor one day and for somebody who was fairly evangelistic and working with youth all the time this was a pretty big shock i'm like what i'm like you seriously like, that's crazy and i wasn't necessarily against the word or anything i was just more like oh this is crazy i've never seen myself in this way and uh that's when the- and, and shortly after about two weeks later that's when the conversation started happening about stepping into some kind of pastoral position, whether it was associate or community or whatever kind of pastor um, and but now i 'm standing here before you today, and what I want to say is there <laughs> And I can truly say that I actually, I re, I re, I'm really enjoying this position. I love you guys. I love being with the church and building the church, implementing things to help build community. And I'm loving it now. But there was a lot of times between the moment God spoke that to me and now me doing this and loving it and seeing fruit, there was a lot of things that happened in between. Times where I felt like, man, this seems hard This seems like a big stretch, God. This seems like something that is not easy, but we need to realize that we're not called to easy. We're called to live and rest and continually walking towards God's promises and where he's leading us. Another thing that's really important for living and rest in your week, I want you guys to think about positioning yourselves properly. We need to rest in his promises until they become a reality. And we need to position ourselves properly. The thing is, Jesus has already won the war. He's already won against the enemy. And now our inheritance is victory. We don't fight. You know, there's some Christians out there who walk around and they'll just run around the room and speak in tongues for like half an hour and think that that's warfare against the enemy. And maybe it is a little bit, but the strongest place of warfare is rest. I had a vision when I was preparing this and um, and this is my own experience, but I had a vision where I was in this hotel lobby, with, and, and I was sitting there with Jesus, and all of a sudden I saw enemies trying to come in the door. And so in a panic, I, I get up, and I run outside, and I, and I grab my sword, and I start fighting off these enemies, and I'm just running around. And I look, I look back at the door, and I look at Jesus, and I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? And he's just sitting there smiling, and he's just like, just chilling out. And I'm like, what, are, what is going on? So I, I go back, and I, and I sit down with Jesus, and I sit down. And as soon as I sit down and put my arm around him, I just see from his reality And and he's just smiling, and he sees there's all these angels outside fighting the demons and fighting the enemy and and taking care of the battle, and I don't have to go outside and do anything. And he's, he's just smiling, he's laughing, he's like, man, they don't have a chance. But see, in our lives, we need to position ourselves properly. We need to position ourselves in the seat of rest next to Jesus. You don't have to fight through every single battle in your life. The Lord has already won. We need to sit and rest with him and be with him and let him fight on our behalf. Amen? alright I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here with a couple more practical things and then we're going to have some great food here, guys. Um, another really simple thing, again, is just, it's just come to Jesus in your week. Come to him consistently. And I know that can seem very basic, but it's actually very profound. When we can come to Jesus consistently, not in just moments where, okay, I found a few moments where I can get along with God, but actually consistently, oh God, heart situation, face to face with you. Come to him. You know, you know, like, you know, my spouse made me angry come to him face to face. Be with him. You know, or, or I'm stressed out about this, come to him and be with him and he will give you refreshment and he will give you rest. Not you trying to figure it on your own. Not you trying to do your best and strive your way to perfection because that's just never going to work. But resting and being before him and seeking him and coming to him. And this is the last thing I want to touch on. Another practical thing is um, speak faith into your future and it will move you forward. Again, Actually, let me share this verse quick. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. Guys, we have the living word of God living inside of us. And I want to encourage you, when you're, when you're um, experiencing opposition, because you will... Um, that is maybe contrary to what God has spoken of your life, speak faith to it. Speak faith. Speak exactly what the Lord has said about who you are as a person and where you're going into this situation. Don't sit around passive. One thing that I do all the time, and I feel super cheesy saying this, but I'll be totally honest, is I will sit in front of the mirror before night or some, at some point in my day, and I'll tell myself exactly who I am and where I'm going. And I'll do at least five, I'll do at least five things where I encourage myself daily This is who God says you are. This is where you're going. This is where he's leading you. Um, This is what he loves about you. And I'll tell myself, because I can't trust myself to lead myself into a place that looks like what God has called me to. I need to sit down and meditate. God, what are you saying about me? And speak it over myself. And I want to encourage you guys. It might feel weird the first time you do it, but I want to encourage you to try and do the same. It's powerful, guys, when we speak faith into our future, and it will move us forward. So um, I could keep going on for a bit here, guys, but... um, I want everyone to stand right now. Kachin, could you come play the piano? Or piano, sorry. Yeah. Father, we love you so much. Father, thank you for today. And thank you for your love. And uh, Jesus, we want to be people that live in your rest. People that live in in not just a moment of, of rest, but in a lifestyle of rest, Father. And Father, everybody that's here right now, God, I just pray that you could put something... Um, on their heart, Father, again, as we were in worship, that we gave back things to you that didn't belong to us, God. I pray that you would uh, speak to every person, speak to their heart right now, God, of how they can live um, more in your rest, God, of how they can be more intentional with you. and Father, just as you're revealing that to them right now, I just pray that you would just encourage them, God, on their journey right now, God, that maybe some people here, God, are experiencing things um, that aren't lining up with who you said they are, God, and what you say they are, God, in your word but I pray that they could see this opposition now as opportunity, God. The Father, as a church, we pray that your spirit would rest on us, God, that we would rest from this point on, God, and in Sunday into the rest of our week um, and into the rest of this year into the rest of our lives, God, that you would shift something right now spiritually, God, that no matter my preaching can't change and, and they can't change, God, but your spirit can change, God. I pray that you bring rest, God, into their spirit, rest into their lives, God, that you would change things around, Father that we could live from you and with you, God, to the world and not, and not trying to live constantly trying to get close to you, God, but live from intimacy with you, Jesus. I just pray, God, for uh, a face-to-face encounter with every single person here this week, God, that they could be face-to-face with you, face-to-face with your love and with your goodness and face-to-face with you, God. You're the person of rest, God, where we find refreshment and we find rest, Jesus.